Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam O'Cronin, and today we're going to explore a thought experiment known as the Silurian Hypothesis. The Silurian Hypothesis seeks to answer a simple question. Are we the first advanced civilization on Earth? And how do we know for sure? If there were another advanced civilization hundreds of thousands or even millions of years ago, what evidence would still exist today for us to find? And another way of asking the same question is, what evidence of our own civilization would still exist hundreds of thousands or a million years in the future? I love this thought experiment because it's really useful for two reasons. One, we may actually find evidence of an advanced civilization buried deep in Earth's past. And second, even if we're not able to find evidence of an advanced civilization in the past, asking these questions may help us refine our search for intelligent life outside of our own planet. And in fact, scientists just recently found that there may be evidence of microbial life on Venus. So these questions and the search for exoplanets and exocivilizations are critical right now. Let's get into it. First, we need to define what we mean by an advanced civilization. So let's define an advanced civilization at one, as one that has these elements. It must have an urban settlement, so a nomadic hunter-gatherer society wouldn't count. There must be a surplus of food to enable a division of labor. So not everyone is farming. Some people need to be doing things like trade, artwork, writing, science, technology. And this civilization must be able to harness energy in some meaningful way, whether that's through fossil fuels like oil, coal, gas, or through renewable energy like solar, wind, water, and possibly nuclear energy. So now that we've defined an advanced civilization, let's look back through Earth's history, starting at the present and going further and further back in time through the layers of history to see if there are any indicators of possible advanced civilizations in the past. Based on our definition, human civilization has only existed for the last 10,000 years since the agricultural revolution in Mesopotamia. And that's really the blink of an eye in geologic timescales. Before we had a civilization, Homo sapiens were hunter-gatherers for 200,000 years. And before that, there were a series of other hominid species that roamed the Earth for far longer than Homo sapiens have roamed the Earth. The longest lasting hominid that we know about is the Homo erectus, which lasted for 1.5 million years, far longer than the 200,000 years we've been around. So is it possible that Homo erecti had some sort of advanced civilization before Homo sapiens came on the scene? It's possible, but given that we have the skulls of Homo erecti, and that these skulls are smaller than the human skull, which leads us to know that their brains are smaller too, it seems unlikely that they would be as advanced as we are today. And while they may have mastered fire and some other simple kinds of technology, it's unlikely they created a sort of civilization that we have today. But what's really interesting is when we look back further than the development of hominids. And one thing to keep in mind is that while in school we're often taught of evolution as this sort of linear progression where you have the image of man where it starts as a monkey and then it gets bigger and better and smarter and eventually we have the most advanced version of life yet known which is humans but that's not really how evolution works and when you look back on really long time scales we see that there are these cycles of boom and bust throughout the ages so we know of five major mass extinction events in the past, 
including the sixth max extinction event that we're currently experiencing right now. And so you can see there's these booms of lots of biodiversity, like the Cambrian explosion. And then there's these busts where biodiversity collapses and so many species go extinct. So maybe by looking at these different boom and bust cycles, we can see possible time periods that an advanced civilization may have developed. Let's consider a few possibilities. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs. Now, what scientists believe happened is that a major asteroid some 66 million years ago landed on Earth and essentially covered the Earth in this cloud of smoke and debris that prevented heat and sunlight from getting to Earth, which brought about the Ice Age. Now, because dinosaurs are cold-blooded, many of the dinosaurs were wiped out, and this brought about the rise of the age of mammals. And all of these small mammals started to dominate the Earth during this time. Is it possible that during this period there was some advanced civilization of mammals? It could be. It's hard to disprove one way or the other. What about during the dinosaur age? Could there have been some advanced civilization while dinosaurs reigned on Earth? What about before the dinosaurs? We know of four mass extinction events that happened before the dinosaurs were wiped out. In fact, there are 3.5 billion years that life has existed on Earth, and humans have only been around for the last 200,000 years. So might there have been some 10,000 year time period where there was a civilization that rose and fell, even if it was brief? And keep in mind, our own civilization is only 10,000 years old, which is really just a sliver in the timescales of, of geological time. So there are many possibilities, and it's hard to disprove any of them, which is part of why this thought experiment is so compelling. But in order to narrow down our list of possibilities, let's try to understand what traces of civilization may still exist after so many years. How do archaeologists find traces of past civilizations? Well, what many listeners may not know is that I spent three summers on an archaeological excavation in Butrint, modern-day Albania, where we excavated an ancient Roman forum that existed during the time of Caesar Augustus, the successor to Julius Caesar. Now, when you're on an archaeological excavation, you're literally digging through time. So you start at the current ground, right, just some dirt in the ground, and you dig and dig, there's nothing that interesting, maybe you find some plastics and other things from modern times, but as you go deeper and deeper, you start to see these traces of past civilizations. So when we were digging in Butrint, we found some traces of bullets, we found one skeleton that had a bullet wound right in the center of the forehead, which led us to believe that it was someone who was executed during the time of Napoleon, about that time period. And then you go deeper and deeper, and eventually you get to the Middle Ages, and there's nothing really that impressive there. It's almost like civilization took a pause. Maybe you see some layers where there's lots of carbon and ash, which leads you to believe that there must have been some sort of fire during then. There are other layers where there's lots of pottery, and you think, oh, well, there must have been a lot of uh, pottery activity in this area during that time. And as you go deeper and deeper, our principal investigator, David Hernandez, kept wanting us to speed up so we could get to the Greco-Roman layers. And it is incredible when you get to these layers, because after digging through the Middle Ages, where there's nothing really that interesting, all of a sudden we hit a marble floor, beautiful white, mo white marble, in situ marble columns, 
There were carved marble statues of gods and goddesses. There were coins. There were all of these incredible votive offerings, tablets with inscriptions. And you really see how there was this super advanced civilization, which is Rome and Greece, that existed way before our current most advanced civilization, which is today. And the difficulty as an archaeologist is the further back in time you go, the harder it is to find evidence. Because over time, the earth essentially recycles all of the materials. And we don't typically think of the earth as being fluid in the way that water is, but it really is fluid. There are plate tectonics at work that will constantly churn up what is the ground today, and it'll become the bottom of the ocean in you know, several million years. And in the case of our excavation at Putrint, we had to stop digging at some point because we got below the water table. And we actually had to employ all of these pumps that were constantly pumping water out so we could dig deeper to find what was in these Greco-Roman layers. So it would be almost impossible for us to have dug any deeper unless we had millions of dollars worth of equipment to extract the water table from that part of the excavation. So there are serious limitations in what we're able to see as archaeologists when we go back in time. And the further back we go, the more difficult it is to find out what exactly is going on. And after a few thousand years, even these steel skyscrapers and incredible structures we've built today will have almost completely weathered away as a result of plate tectonics, weather patterns, and entropy, which essentially recycles everything on Earth back into its core elements so it can be reused in another way. So after a few thousand years, all of our current structures will be gone, skyscrapers would be gone, even plastic decomposes after about a thousand years, and when you go back a few million years, even the very ground itself will have changed. So what is the surface today via plate tectonics will be completely churned and it'll be the bottom of the ocean a few million years from now. And currently, the oldest place on Earth is near Israel in the Negev Desert, and this land is just over one million years old. So it's really hard, almost impossible, to find evidence of life or civilization when you go further than a million years in the past. Now you're probably thinking that we do have evidence of life further than a million years. We have skeletons of dinosaurs, which lived 66 million years ago. But these are special cases because you'll notice that many of the fossils we have were encapsulated in a very specific type of material that preserves them for so long. So you might find a mosquito encapsulated in amber that could last for millions of years, or for instance in the La Brea tar pits near Los Angeles. All of these dinosaurs were preserved because they died in tar, but in most places, most of the time, there is not a fossil record. In fact, most species that have ever lived on Earth, we have zero fossils of them in existence. Another important thing to consider is that it's not like we humans are covering 99% of Earth, so it'd be easy to find signs of us no matter where you are. Really, humanity only covers about 10% of Earth's land area, and when you consider the ocean surface area as well, it's really more like 1%. 
So all of humanity, even the billions of humans, we're pretty much all congregated around these big cities that are oftentimes near the coast, by the ocean, by these rivers and these fertile valleys. And those rivers and oceans and fertile valleys change over time. So it might be very difficult for a future civilization to find traces of humanity unless they're looking specifically in the right parts, you know, where Manhattan is or where LA is. And that may be by the bottom of the ocean by the time the future archaeologists are on the search. So what traces of civilization could we find after millions of years? What should we be on the lookout for? This is the crux of the question raised by Gavin Schmidt, a climate modeler at NASA's Goddard Institute, and Adam Frank, an astrophysicist at the University of Rochester, who published the Silurian Hypothesis in 2018. And what they found is that when you're looking back millions of years, it's not like you're going to find physical structures or any clear signs of civilization. Really, it's all about understanding the fundamental particles and molecules and composition of elements that make up that layer of the stratigraphy. So, for instance, you might find nitrogen deposits from the large-scale food production because nitrogen is part of the fertilizer that we require in order to feed the billions of people on Earth. There's also carbon deposits from energy extraction. Essentially, we're digging all of this carbon and oil and gas out of the ground and putting it all onto our current layer. So you might notice that a past civilization has way more carbon than is typical in a given layer. You might find rare earth elements like silicon that are used in our technology. These are fairly rare, so the fact that we have so much silicon in our present layer is a sign that we're a technologically advanced civilization. And the most promising sign of civilized life, according to these researchers, is signs of a temperature increase that occurred during a particular layer of stratigraphy. So just like how right now, as a result of all of our human activity, the temperature of the planet is increasing via global warming, a similar global warming effect is likely to happen for any advanced civilization in the past. Now it's true that once you get to a certain level of advancement, you might have full renewable energy and you wouldn't have the same amount of carbon in the atmosphere. But at least for an early advanced civilization that's sort of in the industrial period, you would see evidence of increased temperatures during the time that they existed. So when we look back in the past and use the Seuss effect in order to find where there were temperature increases, we see a particular time period that stands out as perhaps the most compelling possibility. 55 million years ago, global temperatures rose from 9 degrees to 14 degrees Fahrenheit. This is called the Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum, dubbed PETM, and it left the same sort of geological evidence that we would find from our own current carbon binge. There may have been other jumps, but really we won't know because the geological record only goes back far. But we know that during this time period, 55 million years ago, there was a meaningful temperature increase. Now the question is, what caused this temperature increase? It could have been caused by a meteor. It could have been caused by the eruption of a massive volcano. It could be caused by the awakening of an advanced ancient civilization, which rose like we rose and which will fall like we may end up falling. And this may be the fate of all advanced civilizations where you rise, the temperature rises with you, you fall, the temperature falls, 
all of this natural energy is created and stored and sort of prepares for the next advanced civilization to rise. Now, one key difference between our own time periods, temperature rise, and the temperature rise during PETM is that in PETM, it occurred much more gradually over hundreds of thousands of years, whereas we've achieved a similar temperature rise in just the past 300 years since the Industrial Revolution began. So it may not be spiky enough to be considered an advanced civilization. On the other hand, it's possible that an advanced civilization sparked the temperature rise by their activity while they were on top, and then the Earth was responding to that over hundreds of thousands of years by increasing in temperature. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that this civilization during PETM lasted for hundreds of thousands of years. It could just be that all of their activity resulted in the temperature rise. Just like how if humans were wiped out today, the effects of humanity would be felt in the earth over hundreds of thousands of years, even if we stopped all of our carbon emissions tomorrow. Now this time period, 55 million years ago during PETM, was right when dinosaurs were leaving the scene, many dinosaurs were going extinct, mammals were rising, and there was much biodiversity being created in the ocean. So this leads to what's actually the Silurian hypothesis, which is maybe there was some oceanic or lizard species, which is a reference to an episode of Doctor Who where they encounter one of these ancient lizard species from an ancient Earth civilization. Maybe this existed during this time period and brought about the temperature rise. And if so, how would we know that it wasn't the case? How would we prove it one way or the other? The short answer is we can't prove it one way or the other. And while Gavin Schmidt and Adam Frank looked for evidence of past civilizations, they did not find any definitive proof. At the same time, they weren't able to rule it out, which is part of why this is all so interesting. The other reason it's interesting is there are some mysterious references to lizard people in ancient history that are completely unexplained. So let's look at a few of them. One reference is the Ubaid Lizardmen figurines, which is pre-Sumerian. So these are 7,000 year old artifacts, some of the oldest artifacts we have, which show humanoid figures that have a lizard-like characteristics. Some of them even have a scepter, potentially signifying that these were the rulers or the gods of the time. This gets into another out there theory uh, proposed by Dr. Russell, where he talks about the dinosauroid theory. So like humanoid, but for dinosaurs, which states that after the meteor hit and all of these dinosaurs are going extinct, some dinosaurs did not go extinct. And the remnants of the dinosaurs brought about these highly intelligent dinosauroid creatures. And some of them survived and actually lasted, partially overlapping with our own civilization. And they were essentially worshipped as rulers or gods. And we even find references to lizard people in the Torah of the Bible. And they call them Nephilim in the Torah, which are called so-called watchers. And here's a quote. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of gods went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. So there are all of these wild conspiracies that stem from this. Many hardcore Christians believe that 
the Nephilim bred with humans, and then some of them are ruling over our government today. And all of these are, are wild conspiracies, and I'm not saying they're true at all. But oftentimes with conspiracies, there's some grain of truth, which is what makes the conspiracy compelling. So the thought that there might have been some advanced dinosaur humanoid civilization that survived after the meteor wiped out most of the dinosaurs, and that we early mammals may have had some interaction with them, is just a really interesting thing to think about, and I, I think it's fun. So what does this all mean for the future? Other than this being a fun thought experiment, how can we apply these learnings to our search for intelligent life beyond Earth? Let's get into the future scenarios to find out. Let's talk about the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. My worst case scenario is that other civilizations have existed in the past on Earth, but they've all gone extinct because the natural course of events is for civilizations to rise, reach some peak, and then upset the balance, increase the temperature, and then fall and collapse. And the reason this is the worst case is because it forebodes that we may be in the boom part of the civilization cycle right now, and that we may be about to experience the bust part of the cycle. In other words, the great filter that's outlined in the Fermi paradox is ahead of us, not behind us, meaning we have some major challenges ahead that if we don't address them perfectly, will result in the collapse of our own civilization. The final thing I'll say about the worst case is that if we don't think creatively enough about what life could be or where to search for signs of life, we may miss out on some incredible findings. So as we look towards other planets, I think we need to really keep an open mind and consider many possibilities and really work from first principles rather than make assumptions about life being specifically like our own form of life. Let's talk about the best case scenario. Best case scenario. The best case scenario in my mind is that other civilizations have existed before on Earth and they've escaped the collapse of their civilization. So imagine if you're one of these advanced civilizations and you know some asteroid is about to come or some major event is going to happen and you're able to escape maybe to Mars, maybe to Venus, maybe to a moon on Jupiter and now you're essentially watching over Earth, which has since recovered, and sort of keeping tabs on us, making sure we're all right, not in any sort of negative way, but really just as a fellow Earthling, keeping a lookout for us. And this is possible. There was the UFO Navy video where UFO Navy pilots saw a Tic Tac, which seems like maybe it's an alien vehicle. Now, what if this alien vehicle isn't from another planet, but it actually is originally from Earth? And they're just sort of checking in on us after having escaped Earth millions of years ago. You know, that would be kind of incredible. And in a certain sense, it seems more likely than it being from another planet, given that the only planet we definitively know has life is planet Earth. The other thing I would say for the best case is that we find signs of life on other planets, on Venus, Mars, Jupiter, other places near Earth, and that we are able to colonize other planets so that we escape the great filter. And if it's ahead of us, we're able to overcome it. If it's behind us, then we go forward like no civilization has done before. So the second best case scenario I would say is that there is not any past civilization. 
we are the first and that means that we can create our own future we're not going to be subject to these boom and bust cycles that may have occurred in the past let's talk about the most likely scenario most likely scenario i would say the most likely scenario is that we humans are the most advanced civilization to ever live on earth but we're not the only advanced civilization to live on earth so whether it's during the PETM era or some other era, I think there's a tremendous amount of hubris to think that no other civilization has come anywhere close to us, given how vast the timescales are. I mean, when you're looking for a 10,000 year period of civilized life in a 3.5 billion year time period of possibility that Earth has existed, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. So for us to say definitively that there are no needles in that haystack, I think would be a mistake. And to put this in perspective, the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Stegosaurus lived further apart than we humans live to the T-Rex. So the time that dinosaurs roamed the Earth was so vast, 150 million years, whereas we humans have only existed for 200,000 years. So when you just consider these timescales, it is absolutely mind-blowing. And we should be searching both through space in other planets and also through time, through our own stratigraphy, to find signs of life on Earth. And when we're considering possibilities, I think we need to stay humble. Traditionally, we're taught that the Sumerians and Mesopotamia were the first civilization. But history is always changing. We may find tomorrow that there is an earlier civilization. And final thing I'll say is that I'm optimistic about the future. I believe that we will survive. And even if humanity doesn't survive, some other form of life, some other form of earthlings will survive. And even if it is the worst case where we're in the boom right now and there's gonna be a bust, that means there will be another boom. There will be life that will continue beyond us. So I think we should make the most of the time we have. I hope you enjoyed this thought experiment. This has been the Silurian Hypothesis. And we'll see you next time. The past, the present, and the If you enjoy thinking about the future as much as we do, we invite you to join the HTF community. 
Simply go to hencethefuture.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and add your email address next to the button that says, Enter the Void. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at hencethefuture. And, most importantly, we encourage you to please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Our team reads and appreciates every single review. Thank you again for listening to today's episode and for staying curious, and we'll see you next week.